At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. A playlist original. Just watch me. The medium is the message. Proof is approved. What kind of proof? It's approved. It has no core identity. Smashed potatoes are no gravy. You know what I'm saying? Speaking uh, moistly on them. Hello and welcome to Just Watch Me. I'm Kate. And I'm Liv. And today on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Canadian actress Danny Kind, who's known for Working Moms and Winona Earp. Her work in Working Moms earned her a Canadian Screen Award nomination for Best Actress in a Comedy Series in 2019. Danny, we are so excited to have you on the podcast with us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry if my dog barks. It's probably going <laughs> to I apologize. We love authenticity. Um, <laughs> so this is very special for us because we, we do love the show, um, but Anne is both of our favorite characters. So this is like uh, especially special for us. And we're not just saying that because you're on the podcast. No, we're not. <laughs> I also am a big fan of Anne. I like her very much. The thought of not playing her one day makes me deeply sad. Well, we're going to celebrate her this evening. Um, so no sadness. Good, good, good. So you've made it for five seasons. That's incredible. Congratulations. So what do you think it is about the show that's that's caught on and kept it going for so long? Oh, man, that's a Catherine Reitman question right there. I feel like <laughs> she knows all the, the ins and outs and behind the scenes and numbers and uh, CBC and Netflix. And she knows all of the stuff I don't know. I show up and I act and I go home. But I mean, I think it's like it's definitely hit a way wider audience than we ever thought. And um which I find interesting I think it's relatable and I think um there's a lot of stuff especially early on as a mother that I was like oh thank god yes 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 these are all things that I am dealing with and people I know are dealing with and then also it's also a bit of a relief I think from how hard it is uh to parent and to be a woman and to live the dream of your life of what you actually want to be doing um and not just give birth and be identified as that you know um which is also fine it's totally fine if that's your choice but <laughs> i think that these four women in particular have really big dreams of their lives and i think that's you're kind of touching on one of my favorite things about the show because i do think there's a version of this show which is really about like them managing you know their home life their children their partners and their jobs but what i love about this show is that you know the first scene of the first episode is the mommy and me circle um and and the show puts female friendship at the forefront yeah. um not just as an afterthought like there's a version of the show where it's about their home life and their work and there's like a kooky friend yeah. but the show is about the, the relationships between the women and i think that's really special um so can you talk a little bit about, you know, Anne and Kate 
and, and how do you see that relationship? I mean, that makes me think that you just said that. That makes me think about like Sex in the City and like that show is wildly possible, like um, wildly popular, but also those are four women that are chasing marriage and men and love and validation and like those kinds of things, not so much career. I think career was sprinkled on there, but I think that mm. like Anne and Kate, it's complicated. Women are complicated and women, friend, female friendship is very complicated. Um, and then when you add husbands and kids onto that, it's like, I often say, I wish that I would have married my girlfriends in my life and dated the people that I, uh, you know, like the father of my kid. I wish I would have dated them, but like, like lived in a home and raised our kids together because there's an understanding that just doesn't come. And, um, I, I don't know. I think that it's very smart that they, that they really excavate that friendship in the way that they do. It's, it's the hardest of all the friendships I think you're going to have in your life. Now, I also really love the pairing of Anne and Lionel. And I think in season one, I was a little bit curious, like I wasn't super sure how they fit together initially <laughs> um, because, because Anne is quite intense, certainly in the beginning. And, and obviously we see her soften up a lot and kind of soften around Lionel and Lionel's kind of a, a goofy, like super loving, but kind of a goofy guy. But as they've kind of, as this, the shows progress, you really see how they complement each other and how much they need each other and their personalities. I'm just curious, like, how do you see that relationship and where, where is it going in season five? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So I felt the same way. I was like, how do these people have sex? How does, <laughs> like, how does Anne being Anne and Lionel being Lionel have sex? This is my question. Um, but he's so, he just shows up. Like he's the solid piece in the Carlson family. He's the mm -hmm. guy that shows up. Um, and you know, he comes across as like goofy or whatever, but like he's intelligent in his job and he he's a great partner for Anne and he knows how to, he knows how to receive her without, uh, be, without taking it personal in the way that often I think you can see in that kind of relationship where a woman is very strong and has big opinions and all of those things which we all do it's just she voices them I think that's why she's so beloved is that she voices a lot of them in the way that we actually privately speak to our partners you know it's like we come home at the end of the day that's how we talk to our partners um because it's a safe place to do that um what happens in this season I can't tell you any of that it airs on February 15th 16th um it's tough. It's tough. There's, I mean, the, the cliffhanger of the last season was them moving to Calgary of all places. So there's definitely like big ups and downs for uh, the Carlsons this season. And it's exciting too, because one of the the unspoken characters I think of working moms is the city of Toronto, mm -hmm. um, which of course is a city that I'm familiar with, but I'm not as familiar with Calgary. So I am interested if we're going to get a little bit of a, a character in Calgary there and explore and get to explore the city. I think you'll, you'll see a lot of references to Calgary. I don't even know what I'm allowed to say. This is, <laughs> we don't want to get you in any trouble, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, you guys are lawyers. You can't do this. Um, <laughs> But I shoot the other show that I'm on, my Nona Earp shoots in Calgary. So when I found out that Anne was moving there, I was like, oh, I know. I, and I love Calgary. I love the people there. I love like, it's so beautiful there. Um, neither one of you guys have been there. I was actually born in Alberta and I have not spent any time in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. Terrible, terrible Canadian. And you said you haven't either. No, I no. haven't. Oh, guys. It's so yeah, we're really adding ourselves. It's very, very, like, it's stunning. My friend came up while I was filming and she was like, let's go to Banff for the weekend. And we were driving into the mountains and my jaw was on the floor the whole time because I was like, this isn't real. I feel like it's a backdrop or like a set or a painting or it's just so overwhelming how stunning it is. And the people are, they really are salt of the earth people. You'll get, you'll get a good taste of Calgary in the season. So I won't ask you to reveal anything. <laughs> About so you see, I'm scrolling. I'm like, hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm interested in, in your whole little family in the show. Obviously, Sadie Monroe, who plays Alice, is such a talented young actor. And mm -hmm. and we 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 also love uh, Lionel, played by Ryan Belleville. Um, what's your been your experience working with these two? Because they you really do feel like a real little family. 
Sadie, I have like a fierce love for, and I feel very protective of her in real life. Um, I think that's because she's who she is and she's like very professional on set. Um, for such a young girl, like we were on set this year, we were talking about her over the years and how young she actually was when she started. And I was like, I can't remember how old she said she was, but I was like, you were that young. I knew at the time, but I was like, she's just such a young woman now. And she's consistently professional, never needs anything from anybody. Like she just handles herself. And um, I think her professionalism and also her family, like her real life family, her mom and her dad obviously accompany her on set all the time. And they're like the parents that you dream of having when you <laughs> think about a mom and dad that you would want, it's Jane and Jeff. Like they're so incredible. And I think because they are the unit that they are, I have just felt like part of their family. So when we're working together, I feel like if anybody looked at her sideways, I would slit their throat. Like I feel so, I, I, I have such a deep love for her. And I know Ryan is very like respects her as well. And we find scenes together. Like this year we worked on finding a scene together that we, we just weren't meshing. And it feels more artistic because she's older now. And, um, you know, and I see her outside of the show. So I think that it just bleeds into the work eventually, you know, as it, as it has. I was very lucky though, that they cast her. And Ryan is just like the most lovable human on the planet. So I honestly think, you know, like Ryan is a guy who is so in love with his wife and his real life wife and his own <laughs> children that when he comes to set and talks about them obsessively and like shows me photos and like, you know, he loves, he's such a family man. and. So having their outside lives come to set makes me fall in love with them. I know I should just do that as my job because I'm an actor, but like I gushy fall in love with them because and have been able to over the years. I mean, five years of working with people, it's like, you don't have to like your coworkers. It's kind of, but I, I feel very lucky. And then the twins are like, we've got to watch the twins. The girl who plays our baby is like two twin girls and watching them celebrate their birthdays every year and like watching her grandpa come to set and her mom and her dad it's like you can't you're just involved in their lives you know it's it's been way more intimate than I thought it was going to be it was a long answer no it's no that's Amazing. perfect very long well it's really interesting because the show is about like the fact that it's it's working moms and it's about families and you're kind of I don't know do you think the content has anything to do with that like the fact that you kind of are starting, you feel that bond because of the subject matter? I think so. And I think like on every show, kind of like the writers pay attention to who you are as outside. And, you know, and they see Ryan and I interacting in between takes and when we're getting ready for the day and stuff. And, and I think that, I think that they pay attention to that. So I think it informs the writing over time and we all just get to know each other a little bit more. So we're not just like actors doing the job. It's like, <laughs> it becomes more personal, just like the crew. It's like, I know who's having babies and when their babies are coming and I know like what people are going through in their lives. It's like a weird desk job that you have a water cooler and you know people's shit, you know, but we see each other for three months out of every year and it's intense. And, you know, speaking of people behind the scenes, uh, you do have a predominantly female, um, writing room and females at the helm. And I'm just curious, you know, how, how that's shaped the experience of working moms and, and how you think that's impacted the show to, you know, to, to be, yeah, to have women in the background and what that means for the industry at large as well. I think that like, because working moms is the biggest thing that I've booked. And then I went straight into like Winona, um, and which is also very female driven, both of those shows. So mm -hmm. I think up until that part, I was just like coming on for a couple of days to do like a guest star role on something and then leaving. And it's like, my experience of the industry is so um, quick on other jobs. And uh, I was really like a guest in people's homes on other shows. So if anything was like out of line or whatever, it's like, I didn't get to experience a lot of that. Um, so this is almost my normal, like having, uh, I never know how to answer this question because both of the shows that have taken up most of my time and the bulk of my career have been all female led. So I know, 
I know like if a crew member shows up and is like very, hasn't like, the only way I can describe it is like shit that would have been okay in the nineties, you know, like male behavior that would have gotten, they would have gotten away with. If that even like trickles into a set, I'm like, bing, 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 bing. Like it's, I'm very aware of it. And like, usually it's dealt with right away now. Um, so when something's off, I can tell, but otherwise it's just like women running things is like, feel very lucky to say this, but like that, it's just my normal. That's amazing. I don't, I don't know what the answer would be, like how it would be. I don't know how people answer that question because it comes up so much. Like, how would it be different for men and women? Well, uh, I'm going to be honest. I actually wrote a paper in, about this in my <laughs> master's. Oh my God. Tell me. And tell me everything. like what my paper was about, you know, the concept of the male gaze. Well, my paper yeah. was the female gaze and kind of talking about how, um, how when women are at the helm, they inherently view the world differently. And that comes across in their storytelling. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't necessarily ask you that question, but, um, but I think it's interesting when you have women who are behind the scenes, you know, even the way that they shoot is different. The perspectives are different. You see a lot of um, calling into question what we're watching and how we're looking and how we're being like spectators yeah. um, in a way that I think is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I watched a panel today and there was five directors from all different countries and they were all talking about like somebody in the audience had posed the question of like, how do you have, how do you have kids in this industry? And each woman on the panel said, well, when I had my kid, I was shooting my film. So uh, the AD would literally go to the trailer, bring my baby. I would pop my baby on my breast, be breastfeeding while I was directing. And when it was done, I would, and then I would get updates about like what toy my kid was playing with that day in the trailer, what they liked the best. And at the end of the day, and another one was like, yeah, I would go home on my lunch hours and I would breastfeed and I would take a shower and I would come back and I would be thinking about what the scenes are or whatever. It's like, you just make it happen. It's just so normal to us. And each woman on the panel was like, shit, I thought I was the only one doing that. But like, it's, you just figure it all out. So I guess there is a massive difference that just, but it just feels normal because we're in it. I was going to say, there's that awesome video that Netflix put out, uh, which I saw that you reposted on your Instagram oh. about working moms and, and, yeah. And, and also I think how, like, we're, we're not thinking about it. We're not thinking about, you know, when someone goes off to breastfeed or, you know, when someone has their baby in their trailer, like it's, we yeah. just don't see that. So it, I yeah. think it's important to also, you know, bring awareness to what women are doing. You know, they're doing their job and being moms at the same time. It's pretty cool. One thing I like about working on working moms is that I don't, I'm not worried about talking about being a mother or about my kids. Whereas I think maybe on a male like driven set, I would probably consider talk, consi I would still say it, but I think I would think about it. So because of the industry's still shitty thing about fuckability, it's like, I think talking in a room full of men on a set, worrying about your hair and makeup and all of the things is like, are my spanks working? All of things while talking about your kids loses your fuckability credit loses your you know what I mean it's like being on a set full of women I never think about that I never like I wouldn't think twice about having those kinds of conversations with anybody on set sorry I'm verbally talking diarrhea wise as I'm thinking because I think this is so interesting it's like how how is it different for me I guess it would depend on the set and the role and the crew and guys my brain's exploding right now. <laughs> no, we're glad. We're glad. I think it's, it's exciting to hear that that's your normal, like that that's your experience, that it's not the exception for you. You know, I think that's yeah. amazing. I mean, I imagine if you, like you guys are in a pretty male dominated still, like a male dominated work environment as well. And I'm sure, I don't know if either one of you have kids, but I'm sure if, or when you did going to work and sitting around with a room full of male lawyers talking about your kids, you wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like you would think about it differently if you were in a room full of women lawyers, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Would you? Well, I do. Like I'm... <laughs> I think I'm, 
I'm definitely, I mean, I'm definitely aware of my femaleness when I'm around a bunch of men in the way that you notice when you are different, you know, like I'm aware of the things that make me a woman. I mean, and there's other, there's like little things, like there's things that are kind of maybe not taboo. And I think more women are talking about them, but like, you know, there's for a long time, you didn't want to be the person who tipped off that they were thinking about a mat leave because, you know, well, you know, that creates work for the firm, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I still find myself kind of catch myself playing by those rules. No, I don't, I'm not planning a mat leave anytime soon, but you know, it, it's the kind of thing that, you know, you're not supposed to ask about that to policy. <laughs> yeah. Um, just from my mother. Um, yes. <laughs> but no, it, it's definitely something that I think you notice when you are the exception, you know, if you're, if you're a woman and you're the exception Yeah. or if you're in a place where men are in charge because they set the tone and that trickles down. I also think that it's um, beyond like social pressures. I also think about like my own physicality and, you know, like I'm, I'm quite small. I'm only, only just five, four. And, you know, when you're in a room with like guys who are six feet over and if they've got like a little bit of mass to them, like you can feel kind of intimidated. And so I've got, like, I've noticed in myself that I, often like deep in my voice. I stand with like really straight posture. I like am very conscious of the topics I'm thinking about. I've probably scrolled through the news that day, make sure I have a hot topic on my head that's going to appeal to the men or whatever. So it's just like the little things that you, that are, that become normal because you're in those spaces that you like have to stop and be like, why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? That's why I find it so hard to answer that question because it literally gets asked every, like every interview I've done for five years, it gets asked. And I know why it gets asked, but it's the intricacies of that answering that question. It's like, I always want to do it justice and I don't know how to, because I think it's so important to have that conversation, but yeah. Or do you think we should stop just to be critical of ourselves? Or do you think we should stop asking it, you know, and stop and just start accepting that and just kind of forcing this new normal, you know? I mean, I posted something the other day, which I saw somebody write about, like, can we stop saying, like, uh, female comedians or female, like, whatever, like, female before the thing. It's like, do you say male comedians? Do you say male actors? You just say actor, but you say, like, female director and female uh, show creator, Catherine Wright, and a female. It's like, why do we do that? Like, why do we put such a... a shine a light on something that's so a human being made a thing a human being (laughs) like you know what I mean I think I don't know if the question should I think the topic is important but the question I don't know what is the desired uh, piece of like nugget of information that everyone's chasing because it it's the same question which I find so interesting I think to be honest the nugget that I'm chasing to, to be, (laughs) to be critical of myself is, is a, a lived experience that's shared, you know, finding that other people are going through the same thing, finding their coping mechanisms and kind of like to, I don't know, help my own situation or enlighten, you know, cause it's to, to be able to share something with someone I think is, um, is, is really meaningful. And I mean, that's why, why we're drawn to working moms in the first place, right? Because of the totally. shared lived experiences. I think I would love if people had a real conversation about it though, like, because it's so personality based on who you work with those long hours, like you guys are going to the same thing. Those like 16 hour days, 17 hour days where you're just like in a room with those people, man or woman, it's like, I don't know. Women are complicated. It's not always easy. It's really not. <laughs> And I wish we could have more honest conversations about that. But I also love working for women. I wanted, I want to be in a position where I can hire a whole bunch of fucking women that I love, that I know are ridiculously talented, that I know are not being given a chance still. You know, I want to do that. Yeah. And I know I, I, people talk about this a lot, about wanting to hire women. And I think Catherine, I, I even heard her say it in an interview, you know, she'd look at people's resumes and just she wouldn't see the content she was looking for. And she'd look up at them and say, tell me, tell me why you're perfect for this job, because Mm -hmm. I want to take a chance on you. And so, you know, what do you think that the solution is to, you know, get women more experience or get them more opportunities? 
I don't know what the solution is, but I know part of the problem in this country specifically is like mentorship is next to none, you know, especially in film and TV. Um, I'm on two TV shows and I can't get a shadowing job for some reason. Like I want to shadow directors and I'm having, I'm banging my head against a wall or I'm not sure why, what the reason is, but I know that like, even I had some interesting conversations with people that suggested like when that 50-50 split happened of we're going to hire 50% women, 50% men to like flatten that whole thing out. That's fine. But you guys haven't been bringing up women for so long that the three working female directors that you were hiring. So of course those guys are going to get hired, but everybody else who you weren't giving a chance, you're just throwing them into a fire pit and being like, have at it. And and, and I don't know, setting them up for like, giving them a chance or setting them up for failure. I'm not really sure, but the structure of, of just doing that all of a sudden, like something beautiful that I'm seeing with the BIPOC movement is mentorship, is, is people waking up to, and you know, like constantly I'm seeing posts about like, hey man, I, I'm directing this commercial. Anybody that wants to apply to come shadow me on this, commercial of BIPOC like hit me up here and I like I cannot repost that shit enough I think the way that this is being handled is so brilliant and so needed in so many other areas of film and tv because we're literally showing up every day to learn something we don't know and and that's just the whole industry and every job that you have in the industry women have not been mentored and nor are they, I don't think. Um, but which is great. I think a lot of people are waking up right now with, with even just with, um, with COVID, with the people like, you know, we were shooting during COVID, both of those shows. So many things changed on set where I was like, why were we doing that? Why did we have a universal chip bowl that everyone put their fucking hands in? Why did we do that? Because it's archaic, because it's just how the industry goes, you know, for years and years and years. It's like, no one's, no one's asked a question and everyone's scared to lose their job. So no one wants to change anything. And now things are drastically changing, which is amazing. So you tease us a little bit, but I know we said season five was written over Zoom. How was it? This is the only COVID question because this is supposed to be an escape, but how was it yeah. getting back to work during the pandemic? I mean, you worked on both shows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I shot Winona first. So I flew out to Calgary. Um, I was definitely nervous. Um, but I have a, I know everybody on that show and Emily Andrus is the showrunner on that show. And she's an incredible fucking woman that I trust implicitly and felt like I, I was in good hands with her. And when I showed up, they were a well-oiled machine. Their crew is phenomenal out there. Um, so that really eased me into coming back to filming Working Moms. I mean, we had an amazing COVID team that like, I touched, you know, we would block a scene and like, I would pick up a cup, I would put it down and somebody would come in and like disinfect the cup and disinfect the table. And it's like, it was handled. It was just, we got uh, COVID tested twice a week. Um, we had the same background for the whole show that they used very artistically so that we were bubbled with, you know, it's like they had so many protocols and, you know, when we had blips along the way, our line producer, our producers, they stepped up. Like, they really stepped up. We had a day on set where um, when we came back after something happened, and I don't speak out a lot, but I wanted to thank everybody publicly for how hard everybody band together to make sure that we were coming back to a doubly safe set. Because I have to come home to my kids and my, and I, that, is more to me than any any job so um yeah everybody was on board like people did not celebrate thanksgiving with their families people did not people did sacrifice a lot of things so that we could make that show this year so switching gears a little bit i don't know um if you listen to our Shits creek episode but our favorite the first one yeah guys i listened to that one and the pamela and because I was like, what are they going to say about Pamela Anderson is so fascinating. I didn't know half of that stuff. I also was like, wanted to come on here and be like, my life is basically Pamela Anderson. So you guys are going to be so bored. <laughs> it's not. <good. laughs> 
Um, no, the reason why I asked was because our favorite question to talk about on this show is what it means to be a Canadian show. So on paper, obviously working moms is like textbook Canadian. You're like overachieving Canadian show. You've got, you know, the, you've set in a Canadian city, the content is Canadian, but who wrote the show? An American. Mm-hmm. So, so where do we land? An American. American. <laughs> the American who shan't be named. Olivia, that was so dramatic. It's perfect. It was intentionally dramatic. But so like, what do you think? You know, what, what do you think it means to be a Canadian show, first of all? And do you think Working Moms is a Canadian show? Well, I don't know after listening to that podcast because you guys just fucked me right up because you guys like broke it down so smartly about like, well, in this episode, they mentioned the FBI and like, what kind of money do they use? And the, like, you guys were so in it. I was like, what, do, what kind of money do we use on Working Moms? Half of those things I didn't even know. I don't know if we ever show money on the show, but like- I we think highlight- I've seen cash on the show. I, 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 can, I can picture it. I think Canadian? I have. Yeah. It's gotta be Canadian. Because you notice it. It's one of those things where you're like, because yeah. you don't see it on TV almost ever. No, I'm, I'm, I can't remember, but I'm almost positive I've seen it. Sorry. Who carries cash anymore? That's so weird. Yeah, well, nobody. Exactly. I know that Catherine, like one of, it's a character on our show. Toronto is a character on the show. And, and I, her and Maya, who was our DOP for the first few seasons, like worked really hard at showcasing Toronto. All of those beautiful shots of like in between of like the streetcars and like skyline and like everything that they do, they they not. I don't think they're even trying to make Toronto look good. They're just highlighting the beauty of Toronto, which is phenomenal. I would call us a Canadian show. I think. I mean, we don't shy. I think. I think people on the show have Canadian accents. I don't think that that's something I've ever heard on this show. I've never been given the note by any director or any producer to make it sound American ever. And on every other show I have. Hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, the way they highlight Toronto. And I think, yeah, I think we are a Canadian show. Catherine and Philip are, it's their production company. They're American. But they didn't come here and cast a bunch of their friends from America. And then trickle, you know, like they could have done that. They know a shit ton of famous people. They could have easily. And I think that the amount of Americans we've had on the show have been like slim to none. Like we've only had a very few Americans on the show, which I also love not hating on American actors, but like if you're going to come here and make shit, then use our artists. Yeah. And of course you have some very famous Canadian cameos, which are really fun. And Mm -hmm. among our favorite is your Jan Arden, who plays your mom. And so what was that like? (laughs) It's the weirdest story. I've been to like eight of her concerts in my life. I was like a massive Jan Arden fan. When I was 18 and wearing a hideous outfit and had a terrible haircut, I sat in the very front row at the National Arts Center in Ottawa, screaming every lyric on the front row to her, me and my friends screamed to the point where she stopped the show and came over and said, are you girls gonna do this the whole show? (laughs) And we were like, she's talking to us. We were crying. It was a whole fucking thing. She was like, if I bring you up on stage and give you a photo, will you shut up? And we were like, okay. And she did. And we got a photo together. I was in my early twenties, I think. And fast forward to, I booked this job they cast her as my mother. All of my friends were like, are you shitting yourself? Did you shit your pants? I was like, every day I worked with her. I'm so lucky to now call her a friend. Like she, they say don't meet your heroes, but like she's surpassed anything I thought about her. She's like, I listened to her audible book at nighttime going to bed because it feels like she's in my house. It's so gross. I love her. Do you tell her that? (laughs) We text all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I tell her. I love her. And I think like they, they were going to bring her back, but she, she had to shoot her own show. She had to shoot Jan. So Gosh, I darn hope, it, man, I hope it works out that like window wise that they'll be able to like bring her. She's a phenomenal human. She's just like one because Canada has no star system and like 
really like there's no real leverage you just like you work a job and then you're done and then you're trying to figure out what next job you're going to book here um she's just like a straight hustler without trying to get anywhere she's like i want to write a book i'm going to write a book i want to make another album i'm going to do that now like when she's moved artistically to do things she just does and it's paid off for her because she's so authentic about everything she does she's a beautiful human that character is awesome too it was so good really good i was watching yeah. the wedding you i forget what what's the episode number but your wedding to brad and sorry and wedding to brad um <laughs> oh, i forgot how like kind of quirky she was too i remember her being like severe but i rewatched it i was like oh yeah like she's she's such a weirdo i love it yeah she was she was like sitting during the the speeches she was sitting and she was putting on her lipstick with like her knife <laughs> and like I think Catherine caught her doing it during one of the takes and she was like do that every time it was so good like <laughs> he's just amazing you know all while being there being like I know nothing about acting and I was like shut the fuck up you're amazing oh no, there she goes <laughs> sorry so don't meet your heroes unless your hero is Jan Arden then you should meet your heroes and yeah <laughs> yeah and she's from Calgary guys go to Calgary we got to get my list next trip okay. Great. yeah it might be a little while um can we talk about like the big elephant in the room which is Netflix what do you think <laughs> it's the it is don't look at me like that Olivia <laughs> we're just can we talk a little bit about like the what do you think Netflix and the power of like streaming has done for the show I think our show is continuing because of Netflix <laughs> I honestly don't I don't think just with the Canadian audience that we had which was great I don't think our show would have gotten another season past season two. Like, this is my personal opinion. I don't know mm -hmm. numbers. I don't know anything. But I know that when it hit Netflix, it went around the world. And I got messages from women in Dubai, in India, in like Italy, around the world. Women were messaging me about my character, about the family, about how they feel represented. I was like, what? Um, I, I think that there's a ton of politics, especially with Canada and Netflix. I don't agree with it. I think that Canada has a really hard time promoting its film and television industry with any kind of healthy ego that it needs to have. Mm -hmm. I think that we need a sense of ego in this country to stand behind our work and not apologize for it. Um, it bothers me that that happens in this country because there's so much good shit here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about Netflix, but I'm very, very grateful for the exposure that it gave to our show, to me as an actress. Well, I think it's done amazing things for us. And to be a bit controversial, I do, do feel like that Canadians often, and this is a point I've made before, sleep on Canadian content until it gets international recognition. And then Canadians come around and they're like, oh, it's Canadian. I never watched it. I got to check it out. I got it. And they're only doing it because they heard their favorite podcast in the States talking about how awesome it is. But <laughs> so like, we're not at Canadians. <laughs> well, where would you even hear about Canadian content? Like I, I don't hear about Canadian content. I work for CBC. I don't hear about Canadian content unless I'm following them on Instagram or I'm seeking it out or yeah. You go to America, it's like, it's shoved down your throat, whether you want it or not. It's like, there's billboards everywhere. There's like, you know, I don't have cable, so I'm not watching commercials anymore. I don't know. I was, I, where was I? I was in a hotel somewhere and I saw Jan's commercial for her show and like messaged her and was like, oh my God, your commercial's amazing. And it's, it had been out for a while. It's like, I hadn't seen it mm -hmm. because I don't have cable. I don't know how people... How do you guys hear about Canadian content? Well, Liv is, was a little more immersed in the industry than I, so she can address that. But I think, honestly, since, since we did the Shits Creek episode, I was like, I need to get on, because I did research and the kind of started thinking about what is Canadian, therefore right. consuming more Canadian stuff. And I started thinking like, Katie, like you need to make an effort. And I do think it's exactly right, is that I started watching... I started watching this show. I started watching Kim's Convenience. I started seeking out Canadian stuff or sorry, Canadian stuff didn't come to me. I had to seek it out. Yeah. I think Liv's a little I different. She's watching more Canadian stuff for a while. How do you find it? Well, I actually worked for uh, Stephanie Gorin casting back in the day, 
did? Back in the day in my previous life. Oh um, my God. Did we see each other then? You know what? No, I don't. I, I, I have a pretty good memory and I know, but I've, I called your agent a lot and we brought you in for a lot of auditions. So fear oh, not. <laughs> I do remember your name on the call, like seeing your name on the call list often. Um, but so honestly, like that, my time at Stephanie's was what really um, inspired me to seek out more Canadian content. Cause I remember actually we went to the premiere of Slasher. I don't know if you watched the show or heard of it, but it was, um, it's like this horror TV show. It's really cool actually. And I remember seeing it, never having heard of it and just thought like, this is amazing content. Basically everyone in the cast was Canadian. Um, and, and it just, it really did like kind of light a fire under me to, to go like, this is good content. And then obviously I started getting exposed to it. I was reading scripts all the time and like just loved stuff. So I would, I'd be reading scripts in Stephanie's. And then when it came out, I'd be like the first one to go watch it. Right. Yeah, um, that's so sad thing. If there's so much content that's good in Canada, the thing yeah. I think Quebec does really well. It's like Quebec has a better ego than us about it. Yes. Like they're like, they're in their, they're on their own plane in terms of like, whatever, poly, whatever. But they do stand behind their art in a way that is just like, we know how good we are. You should be watching this. And I don't think the rest of Canada does that. And it's such a bomb out. Yeah. It's well, that's shame. part of our, our podcast and what we're trying to do is, uh, work our way through all the Canadian shows that we love. Right. <laughs> Hopefully That's I'll have one for you guys to talk about my own self one day. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw a lovely short on your mm -hmm. Instagram last week. Um, so tell us, how do you enjoy being behind the camera? Are you going to do it more? It sounds like you've, you've dropped a couple hints already, but but what's next? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying. It's, 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 I mean, I've been on set as an actor for like over 20 years and um, I would love to direct. Uh, I hear stories all the time about actors being like, I just put it in my contract and like the and then, and then the next year I like directed an episode and I'm like, what? That has not been my experience. I don't know how that happens. Um, I feel desperate to learn about directing, but there's a weird thing in this town that is like to get into a directing program, you have to have a director's reel. How do you get a director's reel unless you dump Direct. all of the money and stuff? Yeah, yeah and, and learn po very poorly to make all of this stuff. Um, it's a weird like chicken and the egg kind of thing and not a lot of mentorship. I've been grilling our poor directors that have come onto our sets. Hey, how did you make this shot? Hey, how did, what lens are you using? Hey, um, so when you block this, like what were you thinking and how do you, so when you wanna to communicate to the crew, like what do you say to them? I, they have been lovely in answering all my questions, but I am just trying to use every ounce I have on set as a learning tool right now because I can't figure out another way to do it. Um, I desperately want to direct. I'm so fascinated by it. It's, it just seems like, like such a great way to collaborate. There's a weird thing with actors on set where they treat you differently than everybody else. And they put you in your trailer, like a prized pony, and then put all this hair and makeup and costume stuff on you. And then you come out and you do this magical thing for five minutes and then you go back in your trailer. And it's very weird. And I love it. I love acting more than anything in my whole life. But I get treated differently. Every set I've ever been on, they think I'm part of the crew first. And then when they find out I'm an actor, their tone changes with me. And it's very telling and I hate it. And there, I would love to direct to be part of the collaboration, the prep, like nerding out over storyboarding. I wanna do that. I wanna come up with a shot list. I wanna talk about lighting. I want to direct actors. I want to deal with all of their kinds of personalities. Um, I just have a big learning curve ahead of me, but I'm working on my own stuff on my own show uh, with a brilliant writer, Rose Napoli right now. Um, we're in the very, very beginning stages of, of creating something together. So I'm really hoping that we find a good home for it once it's ready and 
then I will be ready to <laughs> direct by then, hopefully. Or at and least you'll have to. And then you'll have to come back to promote your next project. I will. <laughs> and so, okay, so I, I would be completely remiss if I didn't ask this question because um, one of my favorite things about Canadian, the Canadian film industry, and this is going to make me sound like such a loser, but I love a Hallmark film. And um, I know you've been in two of them. I love them. Like to my deficit, I love them. What do you love and about them? Tell me. I, I love, like, I love the mindlessness of them and just being able to turn it on and just know where we're going, know where we're getting to. And I don't need to be stressed about it. Everyone's just going to like, be fine. You know? Yeah. It's wholesome as fuck. It's just wholesome goodness. Yeah. I can only really yeah. do it around Christmas. Like it's a particular time. It's a particular yeah. mindset and it's, it's giving me what I want. So, yeah. you know, Okay, so I'm basically telling you my whole life story on this podcast when it's really about you. But I also was a legal intern at Muse Entertainment in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a huge part, uh, and I worked on a a number of Hallmark movies with them. And, you know, to me, what really stood out was how much of a staple they are in the Canadian film industry and how, you know, much like different actors get exposure, you know, you know, they're a full movie. A lot of people are working because of them. And there's so many that come up every year. So, uh, you know, I'm just uh, curious about your experience working on them and in your opinion of like how they fit into the Canadian film, film industry. I mean, Hallmark and Muse and like uh, those kinds like made for TV movies are, they started my career. They really like, I did a bunch of them at a very, very young age. I was very lucky. Hey, had no idea what I was doing. I was horrible in all of them. Like I look back and I cringe, but I learned so much. And I, the crew on those sets, they work long hours for not a lot of pay. Um, which is unfortunate because they are a well-oiled machine. Like they really are. I think of Disney and I think of them. It's like, they know they're formulaic. They know what they're making and they know how to do it. And those crews work crazy hours and they were so kind to me and so forgiving to me. So very early on in my career, um, I think, I think you know exactly what you're doing as an actor. I'm naming now, if I was to do one now, I would know exactly what they wanted from me in order to execute those films. You know, like they're very particular. Um, I think that, I think that they have such a massive market. I think what they're doing that's really smart is moving into a new direction. I think that They've needed to do that for a very long time. It's been very white and very Christian mm-hmm. for a very long time. And now they're moving into um, LGBTQ. They're moving into hiring BIPOC and not hiring as like, we have one character in our show, but like our entire main cast is BIPOC. And I think that, I think it needed, it was long time coming and they wouldn't survive much longer without it. So they're smart in that capacity. And I think that they're picking like uh, really great actors too. Like I know a bunch of the people that have done the Christmas films this year and I'm like, oh man, they were so smart to pick that guy. Like he's such a great actor. And uh, yeah, they're just, they're, they're doing good things to change their direction. Very smart. They're feel good movies. I get why you like them. They're lovely. <laughs> I think even the formula of it, like it's the familiarity. I forget where, where it was, but I, I I was listening to someone on a podcast talk about like, that's why people, a lot of people like can fall asleep to true crime, which is crazy to me because it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But because like those, like think of like an episode of like Criminal Minds, like there's a formula, you know how it begins, you know how it ends. This It's really the same thing a million times. And I feel it's, like that form, that like, that format, that structure is comforting because that's familiar comforting and like that's why Shondaland exists like Shonda yeah. Rhimes has also done that with every show that she's yeah. done now you know it's like ER did it back in the day every sort of like law and order like all these shows and Hallmark's just another version of that it's it's like I struggle with this so much because it is a business like at the end of the day this industry is a business and I just want to make 
the most beautiful, gut-wrenching, beautiful art I can, but it is a business as well. And that's a really hard thing to learn along the way. And, you know, I used to be very resentful to go in and audition for those kinds of things. But like looking back, I'm very, very grateful. I learned a ton on those sets more than I did in acting school that's for sure and you know when you were first auditioning for working moms when you first got the script when you were went in for the very first time did you have any idea um like how it would just completely change your life (laughs) I guess this is a misconception that it has completely changed my life because it actually hasn't um no that's that's interesting yeah I think this is part of being in Canada it's like I shoot this show three months out of the year, every year. And when I'm done it, I'm sitting in those exact same audition rooms with those exact same actors that I have seen for the last 20 years of my life. It's like, I'm unemployed right now and I need a job. It's, it hasn't really, I mean, everyone's like, yeah, but the exposure and this and that, it's like, I was lucky enough that I think most of the casting directors in the city, I had an okay relationship with before this show started. And, and now we know each other a little bit better, but, but in terms of me, like booking work, it's not like offers are coming in. That's not how Canada works. Like it doesn't, you have to hustle all the time here. And I remember I went in for a voice audition uh, and I was sitting in the waiting room and another actor, like very passively aggressively said to me, like, what are you doing here? You already have a job, get out of here. Like you're on a hit TV show. And at the time I was going through divorce and I was like, I have to pay for my divorce. That's why I'm here. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And I was like, it just doesn't change. Like your life continues, your unemployment continues. And it's just like, you have, if you're going to do this industry in this country, you're going to hustle till the day you die. You know, like Wendy Crewson, a Canadian icon. I'm sure she's still hustling right now. Yeah, definitely. The actors I think of that are so phenomenal that deserve their own shows. They should be given. And I think if we were in America, that's kind of how networks seem to, unless I'm wrong about this, but I feel like when they see talent and when they have people on their shows, they want to nurture it. They want to take Seth Rogen and be like, hey man, write some fucking movies. You're great. Or how do we nurture you to build something that we can make money off of or whatever, you know, but um, that's not how this country works. So, Mm. yeah. So maybe the solution is like what we talked about before. We need to bolster our own content. We need to make these shows matter in Canada and the world. I I think these streaming services are really doing that. Like when you go, when you watch on Netflix, um, Working Moms, CBC logo is there. Like it comes Mm. up regardless of what country you're in, it comes up. It, it's, they're not pretending like it's not on in Canada. It's not Canadian content. And we're definitely not making a show where we're pretending to be Chicago or whatever, you know, it's like, we're, we're in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like all of these people that are streaming our content is the greatest thing to happen, I think, to Canadian artists. I watched an interview with you. I think you were on some kind of carpet. Um, you looked amazing and you gave a really <laughs> great answer. Um, I think, I think you were asked like, who's inspired you the most. And you said, you said Catherine Reitman because, and I'm more interested in the, because no offense to Catherine Reitman, but you said no one in this country thought I could do comedy before yeah. her, which I think is just incredible because, you know, you've clearly proven that so many times over, like you're, you're so funny in this show. Um, but I, I'm just wondering, do you think you'll return to drama next or are you really enjoying being in comedy? Obviously this, there's, there's a lot of, this is, there's a lot of serious things that happen in this show, but yeah. you're so funny. <laughs> like, where do you think you want to be next? I think that like, I knew I was like within my friend group, like uh, I didn't know I was funny in my life, but I knew I was the one that was like a little bit like razzle dazzle. So I made people laugh, you know? Um, but I didn't think I was really funny. I never questioned if I could do comedy, uh, everybody else did, but I didn't question it because when the material came, I was just, I didn't even think of it as comedy. I was just like, I know this, I know her, this is, I can do this. Like I, I could do this in my sleep, I could do this role. Um, so the fact that Catherine gave me the opportunity to do it 
was one thing, but also like her whole background is comedy, sketch comedy, like her dad, everybody, like they've, her family is very funny. So, and it's just who she is. So watching her work has taught me a fuckload about comedy that I didn't even know. Hearing her, she'll be in a scene with us, like with a whole bunch of actors and, and acting with us. But also at the end, when they say cut, she's like, okay, we got to change the button for the scene. I was like, I don't know what a button is. Now I know what a button is. You know, it's like, now I know so much I didn't know before. And I know more about crafting a joke and the delivery of jokes. And I just didn't know, I didn't appreciate the art form of it at all before. Um, I would do comedy in a heartbeat. I'm not interested in doing like a multicam with a laugh track. Like that doesn't interest me that kind of comedy, I don't even know what you call that kind of comedy, but grounded comedy. I think life is really funny. You know, like my sister laughs at funerals. I know it's a nervous thing. I think it's fucking hilarious. Life is weird and funny in those kinds of ways where it's, you know, sex is funny. Like there's so many things that happen in like really private moments that are hysterical that I would love to see on TV more. I think that's why we love Fleabag so much and why we love, you know, like those, oh, she loves it. We love those kinds of shows though. Like why those shows are all taking off the way they are is because of the grounded comedy in them. Um, I would do it in a heartbeat, but also I think that like, because I like grounded work, I'm, I'm suited for drama, but comedy is moving in that direction just naturally. You think- Just give me a job. I just need a job. <laughs> but you bring up everything though. Like there's, there's a lot of darkness in that too. Right. I think. Totally. Yeah. I think that that's what she brings people you, like right to the point, right to the point, And then like gives you a bit of release with the comedy and then like brings you right to the point. Like Chappelle does that like stand up yeah. comedians do that so well, just when you need, um, what's that, what's that? Um, oh my God. What's the stand-up that like it went crazy because she talked about being sexually abused and um oh my god guys what's it called it's not Nettie it's like a one word Nanette Nanette like she did that Hannah Gadsby she, yeah she, thank you she brought you like right to the edge and then over and over again in that show I was like watching her I was like I'm gonna fucking explode I can't take this anymore and then the release she gave you through comedy it's like that's the purpose of comedy that's the medicine I can't believe that no one so earnestly has kind of unpacked the darkness of self-deprecation like her because right? I think so many funny people do it but yeah. it was just so like that special it was so laid bare and I was like <laughs> yeah like it is just jarring. Did you see her follow-up one after that? No, Douglas? I haven't watched it yet. I saw her Douglas? perform it, came to Toronto and did it. Wow. I was like, I can't even, she's so incredible. But like Amazing. that's comedy to me. That's the comedy I'm drawn to. I don't, I don't want a laugh track ever. No <laughs> I don't want to see you do a laugh track either. <laughs> <laughs> My agents are going to call me and be like, shut uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of a show that you're not in, uh, or sorry, that you're in with no laugh track, rather, season five of Working Mom pr premieres uh, Tuesday, February 16th at 9 p.m. on CBC and CBC Gem. So everyone has to tune in, and we're still waiting a Netflix release date. Is that right? Yeah, Netflix doesn't yeah. tell us. We find out when you guys find out. But CBC Gem is amazing. That's honestly the place that I went on and I was like, holy shit, there's so much amazing. Like I watched normal people on there the other day. Did you guys watch that series, Normal People? I did not know it was on CBC Gem, but now it, that I do, I'm so off. good. I'm watching it. It's incredible. Yeah. It's so good. Not funny, deeply sad, but it's amazing. Very sexy. It's so good, but they have so much content on there that I was on there because I was trying to find normal people. And then I just saw all the other stuff. Every time I go on CBC Gem, I'm like, oh my God, this is really good. You're helping the people. You guys are helping the people. You. 
Well, thank you so, so much for coming on our podcast. You've been an absolute delight and the nicest person ever. You are, you have been Jan Arden to us. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah. That's going on my fucking tombstone. That is the nicest thing (laughs) someone ever said to me. You're our Jan Arden. (laughs) (laughs) You have not let us down. (laughs) Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you guys. I think you guys are so smart. It's it's such a pleasure to talk with you guys. Thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.